So let me kind of just kind of give you a, a background of what it's like to be a pastor. So when we lay out, we seek the Lord and we, and we really go into prayer and ask the Lord what he would have us share in our sermons and, and all that kind of stuff. But we actually sort of have a model that we follow when it comes to picking sermon series and things like that. And um, it works in these two categories. You have what we call an unfelt need. So in your congregation, among your people, you have, hey, this is an unfelt need. I'm not feeling it in the atmosphere. And so you program in all of the stuff you should be talking about as a church. You're literally working in doctrine and what you believe. And so you're talking about faith and you're talking about worship and you're talking about finances and you're talking about prayer and all of the things that come with sound doctrine. And so those would be an unfelt need. But then we also have space and in seasons at times where we're gauging the atmosphere. You're, you're, you're checking, uh, you're sort of looking at the surroundings and you're going, you know what, there's, we seem to be in this flow or there seems to be this season of this felt need. I'm feeling that we need to press into this, make this a mandate on our life for a, for a season as a church. And, um, and so it's weird because just a few months ago, I actually preached a felt need. We preached on spiritual warfare and in and, and contending for what God has. And we got to be aware that there's evil and how we're living our life. And so that was just not too long ago. But I found ourselves, we're in a season again where, man, the enemy is just trying to fatigue people. He's trying to take people out. He's trying to, are you with me? He's trying to get people to give up. He's trying to get people to walk away. And so I, I just have this, okay, we're going we're gonna to jump into this felt need again. And so for these next five weeks, because uh, there's five Sundays in June, we're going to just dive into this idea of we are the people of God and we are not giving up. Who's with me? And so the book is going to be amazing. I hope you read it. And, uh, and then also just the series, we're going to just dive in because we are going to be a people who don't quit. There is not a doctrine of defeat in scripture where there's this random like move that the devil has where he can get you. No, the only time the enemy can take you out is if you allow him to, is if you give up or surrender in an area where he can come in and get you. Are you with me? And so the only way we lose is if we allow it. We got to be a people who don't quit, who don't give up. So Galatians 6, 9 will kind of be the place that we live. Uh, and it's this here in scripture. Many of you know it. It says this. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Now, the reason they're telling you that is because it's possible that you can get tired when you're doing good, when you're involved in this walk with God, when you're involved in maybe you got saved and you got started down the road and you were inspired and you were encouraged and you were all in. And then all of a sudden, as you were walking, you're like, you know what? This is actually getting hard and I'm being, I'm being attacked and I'm feeling pressure. And so that's what the scripture is saying. Don't get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest and of blessing if we don't give up if we don't give up. It didn't say that you're going to reap a harvest. You're going to walk in your blessing if you live perfect. It didn't say you're going to step into it if you do everything right, if you never fall. No, it says if you're just a person who doesn't give up. That's all you got to do is be a person who stands. That's why the scripture says, when I've done all I know to do, I just what? Keep standing. I don't retreat and sit down and lay down and back down. No, in this battle, I'd be a person that all I got to do is just keep standing with the Lord. Not give up, no matter how tired, no matter how beat up, no matter how many attacks come at me, I'm going to be a person who doesn't give up. Are you with me? And so it's interesting because when we talk about battle and spiritual warfare and all the things that come with serving God and walking with the Lord, we don't like the term spiritual warfare. We don't like to talk about 
evil and wicked places and the things that come with that. But the scripture, and I don't have time to dig into it all today, but uh, the scripture talks about how we literally are in a battle of good versus evil. It's not flesh against flesh. It's not us against each other. There's spiritual forces. There's darkness in our world that we're up against. We, I believe we have a devil. There is an en- enemy. The scripture says that enemy is in pursuit to kill and destroy you. Some of you say, oh, Pastor Josh, I hate that talk. I don't want to hear about spiritual realm and demons and demonic and evil forces. I just don't want to hear about it. And I agree. I mean, it's scary to talk about it. And it's weird to think about. But here's the truth. You could be a person who says, I'm just not going to believe in it. I just, I'm just not going to believe in it. I don't want to hear about it. I'm just going to ignore it. But then you would be the same person who just decides to not believe in gravity and decide to ignore gravity. How I many you know gravity is still going to exist in your life? Just because you, care, you pay not attention to it or you care not to look at it, it's still going to be a factor in your life. And it's the same thing when it comes to spiritual warfare. The enemy is out to destroy your life. Nobody signs up to ruin their life. Nobody signs up to become an addict and lose their bank account and lose their family. It's a work of evil. Are you with me? It wouldn't take long for me to say, hey, let's pull some headlines off the news just from this week alone and put them up on the screen and say, how many of you think that's evil? We would all agree. Certainly there's some type of evil operating in those scenarios. I would put it into your personal life. Maybe there's been times and seasons in your life where you, uh, for whatever reason, you're just walking through life and not even anything bad happened. You're just going through life and then all of a sudden an intense depression or anxiety or something comes on you and you're like, what is this? Where is this coming from? It's the enemy is trying to hold you down and keep you back. Are you with me? And do you know why he cares so much? Because God's victory, heaven's victory is found in his children. The body of Christ. He sent us, assigned us, equipped us. That's what you need to know is we're equipped to win this thing. He sent you, assigned you, equipped you to have all the victory. So if the enemy can get you to quit, then he wins. Because it's going to be us, the scripture says, that usher in. Are you with me? The second coming. The body of Christ is going to do the work here on earth. That's, a, that's an exciting thing. Amen. And so what does he want you to do? He wants you to quit. He wants you out of the game. He wants you defeated. But we're not going to do it. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to be honest with you up front that these next 15 minutes are actually going to be pretty rough. I'm going to be pretty honest. I'm going to use scripture and so that you just know that it's not all my opinion. But this week, we're going to be really honest. We're going to be really up front. And then the next couple of weeks, I'll start to be nicer to you. Deal? <laughs> But here's the deal. This is what I want to talk about first. When we talk about don't giving up, the first people group, and we all actually fall into this category, the first people group I want to talk about when it comes to giving up is the people who give up by choosing not to participate. Many of us fall into this category where you have areas in your life that you're already giving up because you've chose not to participate. The harvest that we just read about, the reaping, the thing that you're called to to have victory in, you don't even see it because you gave up by not participating in the first place. You say, well, no, wait a minute. I'm involved. I bet we all have areas in our life where we've built a wall or put a line in the sand and said, I'm not going to do that. God may call me to it. God may ask me that. But that is, and then you miss the harvest. You miss what God has for you simply by being the person who says, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to go there. Anybody relate to that? 
and you miss what God has for you by simply saying, I'm not going to participate. I'm talking about sideline people. People who say, you know what, I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my life. It's my family. i got to work on my career. I'm not going to participate. Therefore, you give up on the harvest because you haven't even entered into the battle. All of us can relate to that to some degree. And so I want to talk about today, while that is such a huge mistake in the kingdom of God. I thought about it like this. The scripture is full of people that would have affected generations negatively if they would have chose not to participate in what God called them to. I used some of these examples last week, but let's do it again. Imagine Noah. God speaks to Noah and says, hey, I got an incredible harvest for you and for future generations. I'm going to save your people. We're going to reestablish the, and I want you to do this thing, but what I need you to do is I'm going to send rain, which is unfamiliar territory. Noah's like, oh, rain, I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not a meteorologist. I don't are you tracking with me? Because God will tell you to do something. You say, I don't know. I'm not qualified for that. I don't, so I'm not going to participate because I don't understand it. Anyway, we'll keep going. And so 99, he's got to build for a hundred years. He's got to build this boat for this thing that he doesn't know anything about. He's out there. All the, look at my family. I got a family. I can't build a boat for a hundred years. I got to do all this stuff and send rain. I don't know anything about. Aren't you thankful that for future generations were changed because of his obedience? He chose to participate instead of giving up and not participating. I thought about David. David had every right to walk away from Goliath. He was sent on assignment to bring his brothers a meal. So his dad says, hey, go down to the battlefield and bring this to your brothers. And that was the assignment. And so he could go down there and he could bring him his things. And then he sees Goliath and he could have very easily said, man, that guy, that's going to be an issue. See you guys. (laughs) See ya. I did my job here. We use all the spiritual terms of like, I've accomplished my mission that the Lord has sent me into, right? We put all these spiritual terms on it. But no, he showed up on the scene and said, wait a second, there's a harvest to be had here. And I'm a participator in God's battle. Are you with me? I'm not going to give up on this opportunity to see a generation changed in my people. I'm going to jump in on this. That's the people we need to be. Amen. I thought about Joshua and Caleb. You know, they, they go into the land of the giants. They're spying on the land. And they look in there and they see, they see just the incredible blessing. They see all the nourishment and provision of God. They see all the great harvest over there. But they also see giants. And they could have very easily looked at it and said, man, that looks amazing. That looks incredible. That would be so good for us. But I'm giving up. I'm not participating because I want nothing to do with those giants in the land. But I'm grateful that there were a people who said, we're not going to give up on this harvest because there's opportunity here. I can't be a sideline person. I'm a participation person. Are you with me? We got to get in these stories. We got to stop waiting for politicians to fix it and school teachers and all these other people that were overburdening. Are you with me? The pastors, the Sunday school teacher, the counselors, all these other people. We need to get in the battle and let God bring us a harvest. Are you with me? So there's this crazy Old Testament story in Judges chapter 5. And uh, it's one of those, like, you wouldn't believe it when you read it. You're reading it, and you're just like, I, this story is just so out there. And, and, but then you see it backed up in Scripture, and you pull the truth from it, and you go, man, God is brilliant, and his word is incredible, right? So Judges chapter 5 gives us this incredible story. Uh, I'm going to just kind of skip through it so I don't have verse by verse for you. But this is Deborah speaking, and they're actually singing a song about this battle. The scripture says uh, that over 600 chariots have been assembled to come against God's people, and God is going to battle uh, in this scene. And so she begins to sing and worship out this song, and she says this, When the princes in Israel take the lead, 
the people willingly offered themselves to the Lord in battle. I actually want to say something here about Father's Day. Notice it said when the princes take the lead, the people willingly follow. I'm here to tell you something about Father's Day in two weeks. We're going after it on Father's Day. We're talking about not giving up. We're talking about leading a generation. We're talking about affecting future generations by being people who don't give up. Listen, men, if you're sensitive, if you're fragile, and I'm being serious, I'm not joking. If you're sensitive, if you don't have thick skin, if you, if you can't take real, then plan a brunch. I'm literally giving you permission to not be here Sunday Father's Day. And listen, I'm not trying to be like controversial or like puffed up. I'm literally telling you this, that we have to take our position in our homes, in our communities as the men of God. We have to do it because God designed us to do it. Like we don't have a choice. If this thing is going to work, we got to be what we're called to be. Scripture says, don't be the weaker vessel. And I don't want to ruin my whole sermon here, but I'm just telling you, that's not a, oh, we're better than women. It's a mentality that we should have as men. We're not letting mom do it all. We're not letting our wives do it all. Are you with me? They're not raising the kids all by themselves. You have a generation that you've been given. The scripture calls it a gift. Heaven literally said, here's your gift. And that gift is an opportunity to raise and to drive and to lead your children. And so I know on Father's Day, we always say, oh, come on, Father's Day. Let me build you up and encourage you and give you that a boy. I'm going to give you that a boy. <laughs> so if you're weak and sensitive and, and fragile, I'm sure Anna's house is open. Have a great Father's Day. But I'm giving you permission to not be here because it's going to be bloody. Amen. And I, you know my heart. So if you're a, if you're a guest here, I, I'm not excited about beating up my people. You under, I hope you hear my heart. If you don't believe me, ask some people around you. I really am sometimes a nice guy. So uh, what's happening here in the scripture, back to Judges, is the, the prince's part, I think, matters. But I love this part right here. It says, the people willingly offered themselves to the Lord in battle. When the battle scene showed up, when the enemies began to press in, God's people willingly went into action. They saw a cause. They saw a need. And they said, I'm not sitting out of this thing. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We, we need to get in here and fix this thing. I said, oh, we'll let them do it. Oh, we'll let that group. No, they said, I need to be a person who participates in this. I'm not going to give up and give up on the harvest because it looks like a battle. I'm here to say this. Notice they didn't need some slick campaign with some really cute video with Sarah McLaughlin in the background, right? <laughs> oh, now I feel inspired to get in the battle. Let's go. No, they didn't need any of that. Why? Because they understood spiritual warfare. They understood that being with God is being somebody who goes in and makes a difference in their communities. Amen. This is where the story starts to get real weird. In verse 4, it says that the earth began to shake. It, be, it says that, that earthquakes begin to happen. Now, here's what I love about Scripture is that all the times that we think that things in Scripture are kind of weird, like, oh, I don't know about that. You can see all throughout Scripture how it works together. Many times throughout Scripture, God used nature, used the earth to work on his behalf. You could say it like this. Could it be that God's creation, earth, understood that even they were in a battle with their creator? 
You see in Scripture where the sun stood still. You see in Scripture where it didn't rain or they would have a drought. You see all of these different times where nature literally partnered with its creator in this battle. How much more so should mankind, because we're made in God's image, go to battle? Are you with me? So the Scripture says here that the earth shook. So as these 600 and some chariots plus their army begin to come in, uh, the earth begins to go into battle with God. It says the earth shook. So at times there was earthquakes that were hindering in this battle. It also said that heaven came down. And so the writers describe it as fog. So as the chariots came and the the men tried to come and stop, a, a thick fog would fall into place and would hinder them. Scripture says that clouds poured down with water. We know that means rain. So great rain began to happen as as they were trying to come against people. And so what would happen is the chariots then would get stuck in mud or they would get flooded out and they couldn't have victory. Because why? Because nature was saying, hey, I'm not giving up on this. There's a harvest to be had here. My creator created me to be in battle. Are you with me? The scripture says mountains quaked, which actually means rock fallings. So they would say, oh my gosh, the fog or the rain or the flooding, we should get over to this place. I know where there's a cave. We could hide in that cave and we could regroup. And when they would get to that place, because of the rock fall, the cave would be closed. How amazing is that? That earth has literally worked. They said this, that stars changed. The scripture says that even the stars fought. Well, how does that work? Well, that's, that was GPS back then. They would be able to look at the stars and tell its brightness and its angles and all these kinds of things. And the scripture says that even the stars made changes to confuse the enemy. I love this. The scripture says that the rivers rose. And so high tides happen in the river. So where they thought, oh, we could cross here. When they got there, they couldn't cross there anymore. Scripture says that horse hooves became thunderous. So the enemy would begin to listen. One of the ways you could tell the size of the army you were up against was by the sound of the hooves that were coming. How many know if God can make the sound of the horse hooves intimidating to the enemy? How many know he can make a sound in your life to scare your enemy? Why? Because God wants to be in battle with us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God wants us to battle. Amen. I know it's summer and it's June and it's a nice day and I shouldn't be so amped up today, but you okay? All right. So all of this is to say that we're in a battle and we can't give up because there's a harvest to be had. We're in a battle and it's time for all hands on deck. Addiction is at an all-time high. Immorality is at an all-time high. Selfishness in our world is at an all-time high. Lukewarmness in the church is at an all-time high. We need all hands on deck in the battle. Why? Because we're calling, God is calling us to be the body of Christ we're equipped to be. People who break chains and set people free and save people from these addictions and these immoralities and the self. Are you with me? So this amazing thing happens in verse 23. An angel looks down on this battle and he sees that there's a tribe called the tribe of Miraz. And it says this in verse 23, it says, curse Miraz. And it says that the angel of the Lord cursed its people bitterly because they did not come to help the Lord. They did not come to help the Lord and they, or to help the Lord against the mighty enemy. Let me say it one more time. Because they did not come to help the Lord or to help the Lord against the mighty enemy. So all of this has taken place. The earth is in the battle. The clouds are in the battle. The horse hooves sound. All of this stuff is in the battle. And the angel looks upon somebody who's doing nothing and says, curse them, curse them bitterly. 
Why? Because they gave up before they even chose to participate. And heaven says, curse that. That's not how we act. I know you're not comfortable with that. But heaven is like, no, no, no. This is not what we do. That's why the scripture says if we don't worship, even the rocks will cry out because we aren't created to be a creation who does nothing. We're called to participate and we're not a people who give up by not participating. And so the scripture says that they're cursed and cursed bitterly. I thought about this scripture, Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 says this, who is not with me is against me. Jesus speaking, who is not, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. So the scripture is actually showing us that there is no middle. He didn't say you're either with me or you're neutral or you're against me. You're either with me or you're not with me. There is no middle. You're either helping me build something or helping me do this thing or somehow over there you're scattering what I'm trying to build. Does that make sense? So when we get into these seasons of like, well, God, you know, we just got soccer and we got dance class and we're working overtime and we got all this stuff. So I can't talk to my neighbor. I can't show love to the person in my workplace. I can't do this thing because you're either with me and you're building this thing or we're scattering this thing. There is no middle. We don't give up and we don't get the option to not participate because you're either with them or you're not with them. Amen. I thought about it like this. The problem is, the person that sits on the sideline, the person who just views from the crowd is called a spectator. And what we end up having, or it's called a fan, we have too many spectator fan Christians. Here's the deal. I want the Toronto Raptors to beat the Golden State Warriors. I'm a fan of the Toronto Raptors, like I just because they're playing the Warriors. But anyway, so right now I'm in a season of my life where I'm for the Raptors. I am for the Raptors. I... I cheer for them. I believe in what they believe in. I want to see happen what they want to see happen. And so I'm in it for the Raptors. But guess what? I am not a Toronto Raptor. As much as I would love to say, oh, no, yeah, Raptors. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm for the Raptor. I even give a little money to the Raptors. I paid my ticket. I'm here spectating. I'm around it. But I'm not on the floor. I'm not in the battle. I'm not in the practices. I'm not in the coaches meeting. I'm not in the, uh, the food, thank God. I'm not eating the way they have to eat, thank the Lord. I'm not taking the supplements. I'm not doing the exercises and the therapy. I'm not in the battle at all. I'm a spectator. I'm a fan. I'm a watcher. I'm a sideline person. And so many of us walk around saying, I'm a Christian. I come to church and I watch that. Right? I'm for what they're for. (laughs) You want me to keep going? (laughs) I give a little money to that. I I like what they're trying to do. I'm for, but we're not in the battle. We're not talking to our neighbor. When I say talking to our neighbor, like, you know what I'm talking about. Fellow person that has a need that comes into our life. I like most of my neighbors. Some of them come here. (laughs) And then some of my neighbors I don't like, and they come here too. But you guys can decide (laughs) which ones. Which ones? That's a joke. Sometimes. But here's the, so you know what I'm talking about. Are you, are you on the court? Are we doing this thing? Are we loving one another? Are we there for one another? Are we meeting the need for one another? Is it, here's the thing for the Toronto Raptors. The battle is always on their mind. They don't only act like an athlete 
when they're in the game, when they go to the game. When they, when they, they live it, they live it, they live it. Their nutrition, their decision, everything that they do is surrounding their involvement in the battle. But a fan just shows up on game day and watches. I hope we're not the fan, right, of God. Whatever, don't put that on. That doesn't sound right, but should be a fan of God. But you know what I'm saying. We have to be people in the battle, and it just matters. Here's what I would say. I believe that our biggest problem in America, our biggest problem in the body of Christ church, I believe our biggest problem, it's not sin, it's not Satan, and it's not society. Our biggest problem in the church is complacency. It's people saying, I'm giving up participating because I want to do my own thing. I want to live my own life. I want to do it my own way. Soccer, dance, overtime, career, camping, vacation, all these things that we try to do, which are all fine. I do all of them. But I'm just telling you, if it's not our lifestyle of participating in what God has called us to, then we're missing it by a mile. It's not sin. It's not Satan. It's not society. The scripture says that we can overcome all of those things. But complacency, lukewarmness, the scripture says that God will vomit you from his mouth if that's our lifestyle. Because it doesn't work. Are you with me? I thought about this in Matthew chapter 25. Just staying blunt with you. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, the scripture says that he gives all the talents. He gives these guys an assignment. It's the parable of the talents. He says, I'll give you some, give you some, give you some. And he gives a guy a parable of talents. And the scripture says that the guy does nothing with it. He gives up the opportunity to reap a harvest by deciding not to participate with his talents. So he sits on them. He does nothing with them. He doesn't engage them. He literally does nothing with the talent that God gave him. And the scripture comes back and the master says about him, you wicked and slothful person, be gone from me. Why? Because I can't do anything with somebody who's not for me. Now, again, let me back up. God loves you. He's always there for you. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the unbeliever. I'm talking about the Christian who's willingly been given, who God has given them salvation and freedom and given them all these, and they're deciding not to do anything with the gift God's given them. Am I making sense? Are we clear? So he says, literally, like, look, get away from me. Romans chapter 2, I'm going to start giving you a scripture now so that you don't hold it against me. <laughs> Romans chapter 2, verse 6 says this, God will repay each person according to what they have done done we're not a deeds church that says the way that we love or we get god's love and the way that we get god's affection for us is by all the things that we do we're not talking about deeds but we're talking about god has assigned you and equipped you and positioned you to go do his work we got some work to do amen and so it says when you get to heaven god will repay each of you according to what they have believed no what they have said no not even what they said not even what they've attended it's what they've what we've done, what we've done with this life that he's given us. Are you with me? That's why the scripture says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the battlers, those are few. Scripture says they came not to help the Lord against the enemy. I hope that's not said about our lives, that we came not to help the Lord in battle. I'll close with this. What I've learned in ministry, and I grew up in church, my parents were in ministry, and so I've seen it my whole life, and I've, I've walked my own roads, and, and, and so it's not like I've coattailed my parents or other things like that. I'm just telling you, in my life, in ministry, here's what I've learned. Most of the time, you look at ministry, 
and you see people being used by God and reaping a harvest and people look at it and say, oh, wow, look at that ministry. They must have just been given such an amazing opportunity. And, oh, look at how God's using them. Like they struck gold or they won the lotto. Just randomly one day they slipped and fell into an incredible ministry. It's like, it's like, it's like ministry is the cheesecake factory of like, does any of these ministries look good to you? Would you like? No, that's not how it works. Ministry is people who just refuse to give up. God's work and God's way here on earth is just people who say, I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. I'm not walking away from this need over here. I see this hurt. I see this pain. I see this opportunity. We're going to come alongside that no matter what. It's not some handed to you perfectly thing. Here's what's handed to you. Oh, you, you want to follow God? You want to serve God? You want to make a difference? You want to reap the harvest? Okay, here's what I have for you. Weaponry. <laughs> now get out there and bust your knuckles and kill some demons. I know that's all crazy talk. Don't quote me on all that. My reformed pastors will be mad at me on Monday in the cafe. Why do you talk about demons so much on Sunday? People came to our church so scared. Well, they ain't scared of it when they watch Game of Thrones. Anyway, anyway, better turn the page. But I'm telling you, you look at the outreach center. Nobody came with this perfect plan like, here's how we're going to do it. It's Elena who says, guess what? There's a need. Here's a hurt. Here's a thing that I'm not going to stay on the sideline about. Are you with me? And Grace is sitting back here. She doesn't want me to talk about her, but she's incredible. She's a part of a ministry called Wings of Mercy. It's where uh, pilots, and they actually got a race coming up here in a couple months. We'll talk about it. You should race in it and raise money for it. Uh, but it's an incredible ministry that when kids and people have terminal illnesses and they are given advice like, hey, it would be better if you go see this specialist in this state. And a lot of times they don't have the resources. These incredible pilots and her team say, you know what? We're volunteer hours. We're putting our lives together because we're not going to sit on the sideline for this. We're going to come alongside you and love you and show you wings of mercy. Are you with me? This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about you have to sell all your things and live poor so that you can follow Jesus. No, we're talking about being people who just don't walk away. We don't give up. Are you with me? And you just get in and you grind and God opens the door and he makes a way. Amen. Closing with this, the scripture says about the woman uh, who broke open the jar of expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. She anointed him before his burial. Scripture says that uh, wherever the gospel is preached, her story will be told. And it says that he said she, because she did what she could. She looked at the whole scenario and it wasn't this and it wasn't that. And she's looking at this thing and she's saying, you know what? There's something I can do here. We all have a something we can do. We need to do it. Don't miss out on your harvest and give up just because you're simply not willing to participate. Let's get in on this. Are you with me? When Paul got saved, a really cool experience. Jesus shows up uh, in this imagery to him and wakes him up, shakes him up, sort of this dramatic salvation experience for him. He had been persecuting Christians. And the scripture says that he says back to Jesus in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, it says, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would you have me say, share, read? No, he says, Lord, what would you have me do? 
this incredible experience, this life-changing moment that I had in you, what am I supposed to do with, do with it now? What am I called to do? And then the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told what you must do. We were all created before we were here with must-dos in our life. God has assigned you, equipped you, positioned you to change the world, but we can't give up. Are you with me?